0: Problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the work life balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris.
1: Edition of the work life balance. We're so excited to have everybody around. Uh, it's been a crazy week as always here at R Square Consulting. We've been in Nashville. Tennessee, or actually Columbia, Tennessee, but close enough to Nashville over the last week, um, working with a client through their uh, Agile transformation. So, you know, it's going to be a timely discussion today because of that. Um, As always, coming up, uh, we're going to be in Memphis next week for a couple of days doing some training. And then uh, the big uh, event will be the week after that, the 16th through the 22nd, we'll be in Orlando at the John Maxwell Team International Maxwell Certification Event. So, I have a lot of people that uh, looking forward to that can't wait to uh, see you guys there uh, the twenty fifth and twenty sixth we'll be back in Birmingham doing some training there and then of course, March tenth uh, through the sixteenth is when we're headed out to Costa Rica with John uh, looking at the transformation of that country so we're we're super super excited um, and uh, very excited to have you guys along for the ride so Let's get into today's show. And based on the Twitter traffic and Facebook traffic and all the emails that I've been getting, so many people are super excited to hear from this gentleman, as am I, uh, because he's a, he's a senior consulting partner of his organization, Uh, And he's been working with organizations around the world to help them improve their software processes. He provides training, coaching, and mentoring in disciplined agile and lean strategies at both the project and organizational level. He's the co-creator of the Agile Modeling and Agile Data Methodologies and the Discipline Agile Framework. He's also the co-author of several books, including An Executive's Guide to Discipline Agile Framework, Discipline Agile Delivery, Refactoring Databases, Agile Modeling, Agile Database Techniques and the Object Primer Third Edition. He blogs regularly at com, and his company's homepage is the same as his name, ScottAmbler.com. Scott, how are you, sir?
2: I'm fantastic. How about yourself?
1: And we are ready to go. We're so excited to have you on the Work Life Balance. And, and quite frankly, we've been talking a lot about Agile uh, lately, and, and certainly with the Agile Almanac book that came out. And I know that you. Uh, uh, provided some advanced readings and, and worked with with one of the authors uh, on the chapter specifically around discipline agile um, okay. so since the launch of that book we've had you know a few of our other authors on here and uh, i've just been in this agile mood so i couldn't be more excited to have you on the phone uh, and start to dive into to some of these questions. but if you would just introduce yourself again and, and just talk a little bit about um, what does it mean you know discipline agile framework and and what is really business agility?
2: yeah definitely thanks. so um, I um, myself and my organization, we work with uh, companies around the world to help them understand this agile and lean stuff, and frankly to, to improve their processes. So it's not just about agile and lean what we do, but you know, you know ninety five percent of it is and you know, we're all about helping organizations get better, become more effective, uh, serve their customers better so the the framework actually captures our observations of what works in practice and and basically we're try- with that framework, we're trying to answer the question, how, does it, how do all these Agile techniques and lean techniques and strategies and, and even some more traditional ones fit together? You know, what are the trade-offs that you're making? So when, when do you do each technique? When don't you? How do, you know, how do they fit together? To what extent should you do them? So we, we pitch Discipline Agile as a, what we call a process decision framework. So we're providing lightweight guidance to help organizations and teams Understand the process decisions and the organization structure decisions in some cases that they're making, and to make better decisions. And I think um, we're a bit unique in this respect. The uh, there's a lot other you know there's a lot other methods out there that are are prescriptive, and they say you know this is the best way of doing things. And whereas our approach is more along the lines of well, it depends on, and here's what it depends on, and you need you need to decide for yourself. So I think it's a it's a a very um, robust and mature way of looking at the world. So. And we, we take on, uh, we, we, we focus a lot on IT, of course, because you know, every business is a software business these days, but we also um, realize that you know, the rest of the organization also needs to be effective. So you know, we, we have advice around portfolio management and finance and legal and security and, and all those other good things. So we're, we're really trying to help uh, organizations become you know, agile businesses and, and to, to, to support business agility. And, and the way we define business agility is it's the ability to react to the marketplace and to serve your customers effectively and to react to these their changing needs and, and sometimes even to predict their, their needs and their wants and to serve them better. So, because if you don't, if you don't delight your customers, somebody else will and they'll eat your lunch and, you know, this is not what you want.
1: So talk to me for a second about, you know, I, I find a lot of people that catch what I consider the Agile bug you know, they, they, they seem very resistant to Agile, and then they finally start to, to open up to it. And then once they fully get it, they're all in, right? And they, they catch that Agile bug, they're they're running through. What caused you to catch that, that Agile bug? What made you just start, start looking at Agile as a whole um, in, in the beginning?
2: Yeah, so um, I think it was disillusionment with um, these more heavyweight traditional approaches. So
3: in the 90s, <laughs>
2: excuse me, in the 90s, I was, pretty big on, you know, CMM and CMI and, and uh, you know, trying to understand the bigger picture. And I, I was actively working with organizations to um, adopt these heavier techniques. And I, and I, and I bought and I, I drank that Kool-Aid. And I saw it in, in, in many cases. I saw it just fail and fail and fail. And it was all wonderful theory. And it really, you know, in an ideal world, it all would have worked. But the, the world's not ideal. And... The, and, and it just, these heavyweight techniques just didn't work out. So I was, you know, in the late 90s, I, got, I was fairly disillusioned. And, um, you know, I, I speak at conferences, so I, I get to hang out with a bunch of really smart people. And um, I was at the Software Development Conference years ago, and I guess it was, a, it was probably 1999. And I went to a, a talk by Kent Beck about extreme programming, and he had nailed it. He, it, 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 just, it just spoke to me, this, you know, what the stuff that became... What we now know as agile, um, it spoke to me, and he had this, you know, very pragmatic and lightweight and uh, realistic approach to software development. And I realized, and, and it just tweaked right there, and I said, "Wow, he's onto something. This is it." Um, and and, and in, in earlier years, I would uh, also had the pleasure of working with Jeff Sutherland, and um, he was one of the fathers of Scrum. And um, he had he had tried to sell me on Scrum, and at the time, I I didn't quite get it. Um, and it, it seemed like some good ideas, but it didn't quite gel with me. And it wasn't until I really started, um, you know, I got this training from Kent Beck that I really sort of understood. Oh, this is where these guys are coming from. And then um, it just took off from there. And, and my focus at the time was um, I was big on modeling, still am, and also big on uh, data and database stuff. And um, I led the, some of the development of the agile, you know the agile modeling methodology. We focused on modeling and documentation and. And how do you address um, database and data stuff um, using Agile as well? So I sort of led the, the development of that in the early days of Agile and um, really sort of you know cracked a few hard nuts, I guess you would say. And, and uh, it really sort of spoke to me and, and, and was applying this in practice. And, and, and uh, it worked well and it worked phenomenally well and a lot better than the, some of these more traditional techniques that we were all used to at the time.
1: I appreciate that That. Description and what I'm going to be doing, you know, throughout today, just just for fun, Scott. And I think I even pre warned you that when you and I first met each other and talked to each other, is that, uh, you know, I'd love to throw out things that I hear um, as I'm leading transformations or working with clients or have run into other agilists that say these things. I would just love to get your um, gut reaction to that, if, yeah, if I could. So so we haven't set any of this up. I'm going to hit you cold with it. So if you need a second, I'm, I'm good with it as well. Um, but, you know, you mentioned Scrum, and I, and I, I, I thought that was a great um, uh, introduction there as well. And so, you know, I'm working with an organization currently that, that has chosen a Agilist trainer that, that's pushing them through Scrum. And today, or, and over the last couple of days, really, I keep hearing, well, Agile is not going to work for COBOL, for COBOL development, because COBOL just takes so long. And we're essentially re-engineering code every time that we see it, and some of that code can be ten years old. What would you say to to an organization like that?
2: Yeah, I I I'm hearing this all the time. I'd say it's complete and utter BS. Um, so the, the 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 reality is, you know, yeah, to be fair, you know, there are some you know, the, the Cobol development tools aren't quite as good as you know what you see in the Java and .Net world. You know, you know got to be fair about that, but they are pretty good, and I think the and I started with tools, because, you know, that's often used as, as an excuse. But the, the real issue is one of culture. And, you know, do these COBOL developers, do they want to work in this more agile manner? Do they do they get it? Um, have they been pushed? And I think the, the – and I, I'm an old COBOL guy. I, I did COBOL years ago. And the yeah, – that's of my secret changed. But um, <laughs> the, the challenge here is that we haven't been pushing the, the COBOL developers of the world at all. Um for several decades now, you know they they were pushed a little bit for uh, you know the y two k stuff. but for the most part, they've just been sort of cruising along, and everybody's been happy with them. And now we're we're running into this into this spot where these guys really are about to retire, and well, they are retiring, and um, it's not looking good for a lot of organizations because there there is a huge investment in COBOL, which is not going to go away anytime soon, probably never will. And yet we need to uh, we need to evolve this code, we need to uh, Certainly to maintain it, and we need to do something about that. So I think um, as the younger, you know, the younger generation, uh, the you know, the, the Java and the .NET programmers of the world, and you know, many others, as they as they as they are motivated to move into Cobol, they're going to bring their agile techniques along with them. And I think right now, you know, you, you take the average Java programmer, the average .NET programmer, and you drop them into the Cobol world, and they'd be horrified by some of the practices that that are still common there. So. Um, I don't believe at all. And My experience is that um, you can do quite, you know, very agile development in the COBOL world, but it, it does take time, and uh, you know, you need to train your people, you need to coach them, all that good sort of stuff. But it is possible, so I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't accept that as an
1: excuse at all. And, and that's fantastic because we did not either, and, and so it, I, the pushing is is exactly right, and and making them understand that you know, regardless if it's a six or seven week. Uh, development theory, then that doesn't mean we still can't craft user stories or things that that can be done in sprints so that we can see progress and make sure that there's change. And so we started to walk through that as well. But I appreciate you allowing me to hit you cold with that. And we're going to go ahead and take our first break right here. You are on the line with Scott uh, Ambler. And in fact, if you'd like to dial in and ask a question to Scott directly as well, listen for the number on the break right after these commercials. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris.
3: In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late, on budget is now too expensive, and today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously, while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile, and there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies
0: at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at morris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance.
1: And we are back to the Work-Life Balance here on another Friday on the Voice America Business Network. And we are lucky, lucky to have uh, Mr. Scott Ambler here with us. And, uh, you know, Scott... I, I'm, first of all, I can't thank you enough for for appearing on the show, and uh, you know, hopefully we we can monopolize your time a lot more in the future. But you know, it, as, as agile is really starting to 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 take hold here, um, a lot of companies are are you know trying to do it and trying to do it poorly, and so what I'd love for them to understand directly from you know one of the co-founders of this is where did this discipline agile framework come from, and, and you know how did you guys really develop this.
2: Yeah, definitely. So it it originally came out of IBM. Actually, I was the uh, the chief methodologist for IT at the IBM Rational for six years, and um, myself, my team, and, and including business partners um, such as Mark Lyons, who's now my who's now my business partner, um, we were we were working with organizations around the world to understand this Agile Lean stuff, and we started seeing common patterns, and we we started seeing that um, even the organizations that had pretty much figured it out were still struggling with some some basic issues. And the ones that had figured it out or were on the way were spending a lot of time and a lot of effort doing so. And they're all basically coming up with the same, same sort of thing. And we also noticed that everybody's doing it differently, and, uh, which is, which is a, a very important observation. Like every person, every team, every organization is unique, and they will have unique structures. They will have unique ways of working, unique processes, um, although there's still commonality um, between them. So anyway, so we were we started noticing this, and it, was, it became pretty clear to us that there was an, a need for a, a framework, an Agile framework, that reflected these observations. So we started developing what eventually became um, what we originally called Dispon Agile Delivery, and then now that's evolved into into Dispon Agile um, as we, you know, move beyond software development. But uh, basically, and so all this was happening in, you know, 2009, 2010. And then in, in 2012, we published the first book, so I guess you could say that. Uh, from a, a, a public facing point of view, that was a, you know, Disponagile 1.0. And um, a couple of years later, um, in 2015, that Disponagile 2 came out when we started um, expanding that and officially started uh, addressing IT. And then in 2017, just a few months ago, we released 3.0 with uh, where we uh, look at enterprise issues as well. So it's sort of a full business agility gambit. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I got to give a call out to IBM. They were very kind, and uh, they donated their rights to uh, the dismantal consortium in 2013 uh, in order to to make this public. So they were uh, very generous in uh, in what they in the way they supported us and and uh, um, all this sort of stuff. So it was uh, a very good very good thing for them to do.
1: That is very cool, and uh, something that doesn't happen as often as I think it should, especially uh because innovation comes from, you know, teamwork, team sharing and such large organizations like that. I mean, they're facing huge issues, um, especially with the the market demand and everything else that's coming out with that. So, I, I appreciate that as well. I was a former IBMer back in the day as well. So, um, in the book though, which is very interesting, you you describe a racing metaphor. Though, can can you tell me what that is?
2: Yeah. So, so what the racing? <laughs> excuse me. So what the uh, racing metaphor is? Is um, we basically it's the observation that the, the agile software community has, has really gotten good at building great agile software development teams, um, and, and so this t- to me is like an engine engine of a car, like a racing car. And, and we're good at tuning it, getting better you know better productivity out of them, you know better quality. We really are good at building these these racing car engines. But then what we do is because we're fo- so focused on software development, we take this awesome racing car engine and we plunk it into our organizational tractor. And it's a big surprise that we're, we're not winning the race. And what we really need is a racing car. So um, the racing car, in, in the metaphor, is uh, what we call discipline DevOps. So we need to look at the, the full picture of, uh, of, of solution delivery to operations of it and, and you know, full round trip. And But bringing in all enterprise issues, such as security and, and data management and and uh, all that good stuff. So it's a little more than what we... Typically here in the the developer oriented DevOps picture, um, but having a great racing car isn't sufficient either because um, if anybody can go up buy a racing car, but that doesn't mean you've got the skills to drive it. So in order to, to be successful, you not only do you need a car, but you need a team. You need a great racing car driver. You need a pit crew. We all need to be working together effectively to get the job done. And so this is what this is what agile IT is all about. So we need to look at the we need to go beyond software development and go beyond DevOps, which we're starting to see now in the DevOps community, is I think they're starting to realize that, oh, wait a minute, um, this is not the full picture, it's only part of the overall picture, and we really need to, to, to tune the rest of IT. Um, and then, but that's still not sufficient either, because if you've got a great race car and a great race car team, you also need a race. You need, you need somewhere, some opportunity to make money with this great IT department and that's what the, the the rest of the enterprise is all about. So how can the how can the business leverage IT in order to be successful in the marketplace, to make money, to have these um, uh, value streams that they offer to their customers, and to to, re, to be able to react and be be effective? So the the metaphor um, really sort of goes to these the four layers of the of the framework, and 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 basically argues that you you need to look at the whole picture if you want to be successful. And I think a, a lot of agile uh, a lot of agile coaches and consultants are really because their focus is on software development um, they're really sort of selling themselves short and selling the organization short because if you don't if you don't deal with the entire um, range of challenges that we face in these organizations and it's always a moving target you know these, these are complex adaptive systems we're dealing with um, then your your transformation efforts your improvement efforts uh, will probably run aground and I, this is why we see um, so many challenges right now in the agile space is that um, I think we're learning the hard way that it really is more about – it's about more than just software development.
1: And I, think, and I appreciate that uh, very much. We we actually coined a term or, or heard a term um, called agile theater, which was, you know, are you agile or are you doing agile theater? And agile theater is where you've done one of these four areas, but you haven't yeah. focused on the other three. And so you're practicing agile, but you're really not agile yet.
2: Exactly, and you'll even see that even within just the software development space, where you'll see teams that you know they've gotten their their two days of Scrum certification training, and they're great at running meetings now, but uh, they still don't have the skills or even the understanding of how it all fits together, and how do you approach testing and data stuff and documentation, and how do you address regulatory stuff and architecture and all these all these other great things? Um, and I, I think it's and this I think is a serious challenge as well is that we've in some ways, in the agile world, we've dumped things down so much that we don't, you know, we, we've ended up with these really commodity trading and these co- commodity consultants now that don't have a lot to offer. And I think it's a, it's a shame. Um, we, we need to look at the bigger picture. Like even the bigger picture within the software development is pretty complex,
3: let alone, you know,
2: the organizational picture.
1: So when I'm speaking at a conference, I, I, I do a slide where uh, I, I talk about, you know, it's not just as, as much as going agile, it's picking the right agilist. And, and so if by comparison, I'm a pretty big dude. Uh, and uh, I said, so if I want to be an Olympic athlete, I can't hire this guy as my personal trainer, which is just a picture of a goofy dude. And I say I can't hire this guy as my nutritionist, which was Ronald McDonald. And I said, because yeah. you're just going to end up with another clown who's telling you stuff they read, but they don't know how to implement. And so, how do organizations really, you know, test their Agilist to to know that they're, you know, that they're not going to come in and, and be a clown, essentially?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a really hard problem. We 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 run into that as well with our customers, and because the, the challenge is, you know, if the organization is new to agile, then how do you know? How do you how do you detect what, who a clown is? Because I'm, I'm sure Ronald McDonald has some great stories to tell about how Big Macs are very nutritious and you know <laughs> eat those French fries and you know it, you know we're using the good fat now. So
1: oh, well said. They're <laughs> healthy
2: for you. Um, I'm sure they've got a, He's got a wonderful story around that, which sounds good. And so how do you how do you de, how do you know? And I think that's a um, I, my 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 quick answer. to That is, you've got to you've got to stop parking your brain at the door and you when, when you hear somebody claiming to be a certified master because they've taken two entire days they, they stayed awake in a two-day training course and their check didn't bounce um, you, you've got to sort of say wait a minute are you really a certified master after two days of training no um, or you've taken four days of training and now you're a, now you're a certified consultant um, no you've taken four days of training like when I, I'm, you know, I'm in my 50s and I, you know, back in the day, we had to go to school for several years just to become a, a junior programmer. And now, here we are, and when things are way more complicated than they used to be, and now in four days, we can go off and, and become a certified consultant and, and, and make lots of money doing that and get hired, get hired for that. So I think, um, you know, I, I've got, it's harsh, but I think these organizations, you've got to sort of step back and you've got to start, do a reality check. And I think you've also got to start saying, wait a minute, you know, we, you know, I just hired this guy, he looks like a clown, hmm, sounds like a clown, maybe he is a clown, and, you know, and, he, and he's pitching one way of doing things, and I think it's, um, it's pretty obvious that if, if you walk into an organization, um, it's pretty clear that you can, you start looking at, at different teams, and they're working in different ways, and they're, they're, they, they're different people in different situations, so they're going to work in different ways, so when you've got these consultants, that only know one way of doing things—the official way of you know method X—that um, you, you got to say, wait a minute, maybe method X doesn't apply to me, or it doesn't apply to all my teams, or maybe I need you know method X, but I also need you know some some parts of Y, some parts of Z, and and, and a few others, and we we so we really need to <coughs> excuse me, we really need to sort of sort of think for ourselves and and not get taken for this by these um, you know. Get you know, get get the problem fixed quick schemes, and because you know, I think you've also got to step back and realize. Well, it took took my organization decades to to you know get to where we are now. Um, we're not gonna we're not gonna change this this ship overnight. We're not gonna turn this ship overnight, and we're not gonna fix all these problems in a in a few weeks or a few months. It's it's gonna be a multi year journey, and I, I think we need to do a reality check on that one.
1: No, I think that's well said, and I appreciate that yeah. insight. It, it is a difficult, um, it, so many people can talk great games, so many people can, you know, read quotes of yours and pass them off as, as theirs, um, but that experience, and I think the most poignant point, and, and I completely agree with you, is um, knowing more than one way to, to do it, knowing knowing that there's multiple um, agile delivery systems, and in, in sometimes you've got to pick and choose uh, the best things that, that uh, fit that process, and And we're just not seeing that out there. So we're going to take um, another break here uh, in just a moment, but uh, I do want to uh, urge everybody to go visit scottambler.com, and that's how you can get in touch with Scott. That's how you can see what's going on. I'm sure they can get your books there on that site as well. Is that correct, Scott? They can, yeah. Absolutely. So Go order some books while we're uh, paying some some bills with our sponsor, and we'll be right back here on the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris.
3: and make everything you've got put you out in front.
0: Are you getting the most out of your project management software? Again, that's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at r.morris at r squared consulting dot com. Now back to the work life balance.
1: And welcome back to the work life balance on this Friday afternoon. We're visiting with Scott Ambler, who's the co creator of the Discipline Agile framework. And uh, Scott, right? I was going to hit you on this before break, but now that we're we're back from break. Um, what do you say, especially as you're looking at Agile over the enterprise, um, where organizations will say, you know, we do not need project managers at all anymore because we're going Agile?
2: Yeah, so it's, I, I, I think pro- projects are not going to go away anytime soon. It's, I think there's a couple points. Um, you know, Projects are not going to go away anytime soon. Um, at the same time, management certainly isn't. So we, we, in the Agile world, we certainly need management and governance. Um, you know, lightweight and effective, of course, but, um, you know, so that stuff's not going to go away. But uh, also, to be fair, the, we are seeing a movement away from the, the concept of projects, particularly in the IT world, and uh, for, for a bunch of reasons, the, you know, th- there's overhead associated and risk associated with projects. Um, projects are also, a, um, in many ways, an artificial funding mechanism. <laughs> um, the, sorry about that. Uh, sorry. Hey, little dog. Um, and he's very upset about project management. Kind of like. but, uh, <laughs> anyway, so the um, so we've got, so there's actually sort of stuff going on, but there's also um, this issue that, um, you know, particularly in the in the agile world, we've we've recognized that these systems, these solutions that we produce, these these lines of business that we support, are long running. Um, sometimes in many years, if not decades, and yeah, you know, they evolve over time and stuff like that. So this artificial project idea where there's a start and a finish and you get it done and you and you move on um, simply doesn't fit that 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 uh, sort of a paradigm now so I think um, we need that now having said that you know I do see project managers needed to um, manage the interaction with customers and you know for you know you've sold a big thing to a customer then you've probably got some sort of a relationship manager a project manager organizing all that um, certainly that's that's a, a valid uh, you know a valid application for project managers but for you know, solution development in the IT world and, and the the bulk of the work that we do, um, we need management, we need guidance, we need leadership. Do we need project managers? Uh, maybe not. And I think this is a um, this is a challenge in a lot of organizations because you know, this is not what the project managers want to hear, and uh, you know, rightfully so. And so our approach is always, um, you know, you can add value in, and you can probably add more value and have a more interesting position in the agile world than in the project management world. So if you want to redefine your your career and, and hopefully do something better and more interesting, then the opportunity is certainly there. If, But if you want to remain a project manager, that's fine. That's a, a valid career decision and, and because there is a need for project managers, but not as many. So um, Darwinism starts to kick in in those situations. So if you've got more people than positions for project managers, then, you know, we'll do the math. But um, we try, you know, we do our best to, to help people, help move people in, into, into better and more effective positions. Uh, because, pro- you know, existing project managers have one heck of a lot of value to add, uh, maybe not in the role of project manager, but certainly um, in other roles. So I, I, I constantly invite them to, uh, um, to maybe rethink their, and re- reposition themselves and rethink the, the direction their, their careers are going in.
1: Yeah, and so I think to to comment on that, being a project manager for 20 years, um, somebody who was afraid of Agile at first, and I think a lot of project managers are, When they first hear about it, because of things like that, but there's also a very negative connotation of project managers in the agile world, such as you know project management is command and control, whereas you know agile is not. And in in fact, when you go through training, it sounds like project managers are are a bunch of godzillas that are just destroying towns, and agile is this beautiful communal you know butterfly community where everybody just gets along and hugs. But the 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 point being is is I think those ones that really were command and control and and were not following processes properly, were checking a box just to check a box and not bring value, those are the ones that the Darwinism should push out. The ones that really can see the value of of communication and, and communicating upwards those are the ones that are going to exceed and excel into the strategic organization uh, to help manage the agile practices. And so I think, you know, I concur with you, um, but a knee-jerk reaction for an organization to say let's fire all of our project managers because we're going agile um, is not, you know, is, is not a good tact either.
2: No, no, that would be a fundamental mistake. I, I find uh, a lot of existing project managers, particularly ones who have been with an organization for years, Um, they're often very good candidates for being a product owner, which is an incredibly valuable role, and it's a hard role to fill. So, you know, yeah, firing all your project managers because you're agile would would not be a good idea. Um, Helping them move into other roles would be a phenomenally good idea.
1: Outstanding. And so why should organizations even look at a framework like Discipline Agile? I mean, why even go adopt a, a framework like that?
2: Yeah, so I there's several reasons. So, you know, it's a, few, a few fundamental ones that I think are pretty easy to observe now. Um, every business is a software business these days. You'd be, you'd be hard-pressed to find an organization where um, software was not um, absolutely critical to their success. Um, whether management currently recognizes that might be another story, but um, certainly it, it seems to be the case. And so, yes, yeah, so that's one point. The, we're also seeing pretty much every industry is being disrupted now and new competitors are moving into your market spaces um, you may or may not also recognize that you know it, it, it's blatant in some industries like uh financial for example is um, you know being th- very clearly threatened by fintech and we're seeing the the retail industry being very clearly threatened by organizations such as amazon and and, uh, and others um, we're also seeing in in industries these agile these lean organizations they dominate and you know if you if you were to put together a list of the you know, the 20 most, the best companies that you admire, um, they're all very agile. And, it, and, they, and they, they've often been doing agile for so long, they don't even talk about agile anymore. It's just they are agile. Um, and they are, they are lean. They are agile. This is the way they think. This is the way they operate. Um, so say that's not your position, though, because the, the majority of organizations are not yet um, agile, and, you know, they've got many years before they get there. Um, the DA framework um, provides a roadmap and um, to help you get there, and it recognizes that, you know, like I, I said it before, it depends. Context counts, and every organization is different. Like, if you look at all the, the, example I could use of the car manufacturers, like, you know, cars are a commodity. Um, you, know, it, you know, the automobile industry might not recognize that, but, you know, everybody owns a car, and you can get, sit in a car, and you can, you can drive it, and, you, you know, a few buttons might be in different places, but for the most part... Um, cars are a commodity. Or, you know, many people own them. Sometimes they own several. Um, there are many cars on the road, and they all got four wheels and a driver. You know, and all, you know driver's seat and all that sort of stuff. So, this commodity product, and the but these organizations are all very different. Like Ford is very different than GM, which is very different than Toyota, which is very different than Tesla, and so on. Um, so here we have these these companies that are basically commodity. You know. Companies producing commodity products, and yet they're all very, very different. And this is, and, and you can see, this, I'll say the same thing about banking and insurance and and retail and many, many other organizations. Right? You know, if I walk into a grocery store, does it does it really matter what brand of grocery store it is? It, you know, yeah, they might have different products in that, but for the most part, a grocery store is a grocery store, and I'm going to get go out and buy food. And, um, it's all goodness. So. Um, but anyway, so these organizations are are being dis, you know are being disrupted, and they're all they're all very different. So um, one one process size does not fit all. So it it's an interesting observa- observation earlier. Like we, we we were talking about how organizations are in in some ways are panicking, right? You know they have to change, and at the same time they don't really understand this process stuff. They might not really understand this agile stuff, and yet they're being asked to make some important decisions. And as a result, they hire clowns as opposed to um, other people, but um, at the same point, so our, our, our proposition so you' got the exact same issue on, on the process side of things, one process does not fit all. So the, the processes that would work well for Ford um, would probably be the kiss of death for Tesla and vice versa. And, and we see this with, with the, the Toyota production system, for example, that um, there's many examples where companies have gone into Toyota to understand all this lean stuff and, and all this, all these really interesting stuff that they do. And then they try to apply it in their own environments, and it doesn't work out. And because there's no easy answer, and I think one of the reasons why Toyota is so generous with allowing companies to come in and walk around and observe what they're doing, like even their competitors, like uh, there's famous stories about how GM went into Toyota years ago to see how they're working, because Toyota fundamentally knows it takes years to get to that level of, of productivity that, that they're at, and that you you just can't you know plug and play. Um, these processes and these these ways of working, and this is absolutely true in the agile world that you know your your transformations are a journey. They're not they're not a they're not this quick project that you can get done. And it takes many many years to do this improvement stuff. And it varies every single time. So if you don't if you don't appreciate this, and if you don't and you need to hire coaches and people that you know have more than one tool in their toolkits. Um, you know you, you know if you're a one trick pony then, you know, yeah, you're gonna put on a great pony show, but if you don't really need a great pony show then it's not that not that good of a thing. So we in Discipline Agile we, we give people options and we, we walk you through these decisions that you need to make. We do in a lightweight manner, but we walk you through these decisions and we give you choices and we we say, here's the trade offs that you're making, so make the right choices for the situation that you find yourself in. And it's okay if if you know, team A makes a different set of choices than Team B because they're different people in different situations. Yet having said that, um, we provide a consistent, gov- a consistent governance framework across all these teams. So now you know, the, these organizations do not have to inflict the same process on everybody, which would be a fundamentally bad idea, but instead they can say, hey, you know, you, you know, the teams, you, each team does do the right thing for the situation that you're in. Be as effective as you can possibly be but here's this consistent, lightweight governance that, um, that, we, that we can do that makes sense in different situations so that way we can still, you know, guide you and keep, keep an eye on you and guide you and, and help you be successful. And that's what good governance is all about. So I think um, there's a, a lot of um, a very interesting thinking and um, um, value in the Disfinancial Framework. Um, we, do, we do the heavy lifting on the process side of things, um, but it's, it, it is for organizations that have accepted this, this fundamental fact that you know, it depends and you, really, you do need to know what you're doing and make good choices. And, and once, you, once you realize that there's no easy answer, um, that you, you really need to think for yourself and to learn and to improve um, over time, once you accept that, then um, the Disfinancial Framework will really speak to you and will actually give you a, um, a, a significant advantage um, you know, in, in this uh, overall improvement process, because it does spell out a lot of your a lot of the thinking that you're going to have to do at some point, anyways.
1: Absolutely. So we're going to take our final break here. We've got one more segment left with uh, Mr. Scott Ambler. He's going to be with us one more segment here on the Work Life Balance. Uh, but while we are away, please visit scottambler.com and check out his website. Uh, and also, you can find him on uh, Twitter. It's Scott W. Ambler uh, on Twitter. Correct? That's right. Yep, at Scott W. Ambler on Twitter. And of course, you can always follow me at at Rick A. Morris. And we'll be right back after this break.
3: In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late. On budget is now too expensive. And today's innovation is tomorrow's antique which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile and there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies, a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality so you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution, and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management from CA. Winning in the application economy And make everything you've got put you out in front. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice
1: America Business Network.
0: You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance.
1: Back to our final segment of the Work-Life Balance with Scott Ambler. And Scott, you know, we were talking on the break there. There's a new emergence of a theory um, which is being dubbed as hybrid project management or hybrid agile management, uh, which is a blending of the two practices. How does Discipline Agile fit into that, or do you recognize that at this point?
2: Yeah, um, actually, Discipline Agile has always been a hybrid. Um, you know, our approach is uh, we we look for what stuff that works, and we we adopt ideas from you know, a lot of agile and lean sources, of course, and I, I've been focusing a lot on that. But there's some, there are still some great ideas in the traditional world and, and in other spaces, and um, we leverage those as well. Now, sometimes they, they don't quite work, you know, some of those techniques don't quite work as well as some of the agile ones, but um, you know, our approach is do, you know, have choices, make, their, make the, the best choices for you in the situation that you face, and um, you know, recognize there might be better choices you can make, but just not right now. So, the, so and it, it's valid to, uh, you know, to adopt these you know, techniques from yesteryear because we need to recognize that a lot of the world still runs on systems built using these older older strategies, and I think um, you know you can't do a financial transaction, for example, without hitting multiple systems that um, you know were built using ancient uh, techniques and technologies. Um, so I think, and, or you know, take an airplane or or things like that. So I think we need to uh, you know be respectful of uh, you know perhaps in the you know in the sixties and seventies and eighties that we
1: sort of knew what we're doing, too. Yeah, yeah we, and I think really for us, um, you know, hybrid is where it's coming out with people that are struggling, you know, should this be Waterfall, should this be Agile? Of course, Agile components in a Waterfall project. Um, there's a lot of people still struggling with the, the, the thought pattern that I've got to be 100% completely Agile. And yeah. I, I believe you've said it best is that there's not one size that fits all. And, and there's got to be processes which you can, you can dip and dab into other methodologies to fit whatever it is, the initiative that, that you're trying to do.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think the real attitude, do the best you can in the situation that you face and, and try to get better. I think that's, the, that's what you've got to um, really be focused on.
1: And so finally we ask everybody that uh, joins us here on the Work-Life Balance, uh, what is some of the best advice you've ever received?
2: Yes I think the, some of the best advice I ever got was to read widely um, you read often read widely and um, the it's always be challenging you know read, read things that might challenge what you what you believe in and um, and also just open your mind up to you know, to new, to new worlds I, I uh, was very lucky early in my career that I, I had a, a, I worked for a bank and I had a, a vice president sort of take me under his wing and mentor me along and uh, that was the pretty much the first thing he told me was to, to read widely. And uh, I've been doing, doing my best on that ever since. Um, and also, I think, to, to hang out with smart people um, and, and, and people that will, will challenge you and uh, that are outside the, the scope of your comfort zone. So I, uh, I'm, I'm really lucky. I've got some friends in the, in the film industry and some friends in the, the physical architecture and, and landscape architecture world and uh, in, others, in other uh, spaces. And it's really interesting to, to hear you know, some of the challenges that they face, but also, because you know, there's, so, there's great similarities, but there's also differences. And, and uh, it's just fascinating to, you know, to hear, hear about things that you know, are probably fairly boring to them because they're dealing with it day in, day out. But um, it's absolutely fascinating to hear some of the things that go on in the film industry um, positive things, not some of the things we've been hearing about lately, but uh, <laughs> um, certainly some you know, very cool stuff. Um, I'm based out of Toronto, and I get to uh, – there's a lot of filming going on here, so there's uh, a lot of really cool stuff going on. But, yeah, reading widely, hanging out with smart people that uh, will challenge uh, you know, challenge your existing beliefs, I think those, those are that's pretty much the best advice I've, I've ever gotten.
1: And do you have any closing comments for the audience?
2: Yeah, so I think, um, you know, I'd like to thank everybody for uh, uh, taking time to listen to this, but um, I always advise people to just observe, ste- step back and observe what's going on, and really sort of, you know, think for yourself, and if there's an easy answer, it's probably the wrong one for you, and you really, you know, this is a hard, a hard, hard world that we're in, and there are no easy solutions anymore, I mean, we're in a complex world dealing with hard hard problems in a changing environment. And we need to be flexible. We need to always be sharpening our saw, you know, to, to quote Stephen Covey. And, um, do you know, do the best you can to learn. Experiment. Um, learn. Help others learn. Share your knowledge. Try to get as much knowledge from others as you can. Um, so be collaborative. Be very sharing. Be very respectful. Um, and be humble. Um, we can't possibly know everything. I've, I've got a young daughter, and she's at that age right now where she's she believes she knows everything, and, and you know, so it's fun to watch. But, yeah, uh, you know, interesting learning lessons coming her way, I think. But uh, fun to watch.
1: So we, uh, so I'm going to go on a complete side note tangent here. But uh, I play that game with my kids when they they start to do that. Now you say, well, you know, Dad knows everything. Just just ask, and they'll say, Do you know, you know how many times you, you have to, to travel across the earth to, to do this? And I go, yep, I know that one. What's next? <laughs> it's <driving laughs> crazy every time. <laughs> so, wait, give me the next question. We got it. <laughs> so anyway, Scott, I certainly appreciate you spending some time with us on this Friday afternoon and sharing with our audience all about Discipline Agile. And again, you can visit Scott at scottambler.com, um, or you can hit him up at Twitter at, at Scott w. So Scott, thank you so much for being a part of the show today.
2: Oh, thanks, Rick. It was a great, great time, and I'm, I'm looking forward to coming back.
1: Absolutely. We'll have you back anytime, Scott. Open invitation for sure. And so next week, we've got Todd Neslany uh, coming back on the show. And if you guys didn't hear his uh, first interview that we did with him, I mean, he's an incredible educator, um, somebody we're so excited to have back. They just uh, released a book called Stories from Web, which he talked about and teased when he was on the show before. Uh, but we can't wait to have uh, Todd back. Uh, on the 16th, uh, I'll be doing the show live from the John Maxwell uh, certification. And then uh, on February 23rd, we'll have Coop Coopersmith, who's going to be on the show with us as well. And then a big announcement for me, uh, we just uh, locked this one down. It's going to be in March. Uh, but March 23rd, we are going to have uh, Rob Tomset on the line. And for those of you that uh, have heard me speak or have watched me ever uh, uh, do any kind of presentation, I've quoted a book that, that goes all the way back to 2002, I believe, called Radical Project Management, where it says projects fail because of context, not content. And that one line changed a lot of my career and how I focused on what I was doing. Uh, so we cannot wait to have uh, Rob on the show as well. So we hope that you will hang out with us for future episodes right here on the Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to Rick Morris and the Work-Life Balance. We'll talk to you next Friday.